I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. This week on KSL Plus. I would be lying if I didn't, uh, if I said I didn't get scared. At the close of another snow season. This is where we're getting all of our water for irrigation, for agriculture, for municipal uses, for everything. The state's drought drags on. Pray for rain. (laughs) And some Utahns are already paying the price. You're not going to have any water, so you've got to do something. So we're ripping up the park strip and replace it with rocks. I'm Matt Rascone, and this is KSL Plus, KSL TV's digital-only news show and podcast. And this week, I sat down with my colleague, Kevin Eubank, KSL TV's chief meteorologist, to talk about water, the concerns, the supply, and the expectations moving from a less than impressive winter into a drought-ridden summer. Okay, so 2022, new year, we're talking about drought again. Um, What is the biggest indicator for drought? How do we measure that in the state? So drought is a complex issue for us. We're the second driest state in the country, and so we depend on water for our lifeline. We don't, we don't get to live here in Utah if we don't get water. Yeah. And that comes primarily from winter snow. Um, valley summer rain is awesome and it waters the lawns and it replenishes things, but it doesn't, it doesn't give us the storage capacity that snow does. Snow allows us to save it, distribute it, and then use it the way we need to use it over time. Uh, and so a lot of the infrastructure in Utah that's built has been built specifically to collect water and manage water. So big lakes, big reservoirs, um, that ability is unique and it's important here in Utah. Our reservoir systems are built to get us through these type of events, but you can't continue to tack on year after year of, of below average stream flow and reservoir recharge before you know, you start to really run into, into real problems. So the definition of drought is when you have any period of time where you're receiving below average precipitation. When you start getting into extreme drought is when that happens over a long period of time and it's really warm because then you're evaporating what you have in your reservoirs and you're in essence taking the water out of the soil because it's just so dry. So that's what the situation we're in. And it isn't a one-year problem. It isn't a two-year problem. It really is the majority of the last 10 years have been drought years. And so they compound. They don't just reset every year. It either gets worse or it starts to get better. And we've been getting progressively worse and worse and worse each year. Okay. Okay. So I'm thinking back to last year. I yep. mean, we, it, it was bad. At least that's what we were hearing. That's what we were reporting. And so what, what does it look like this year? It's worse than it was last year. I think it's a fair estimate to say it's not going to give us the water year that we were all hoping for last fall. So some indicators are a little bit better. So the ground soil isn't as dry this year 
as it was last year. And that happened because we got some precipitation in the fall and that started to recharge some of our groundwater, which is a good thing. But in the winter time and now into the springtime, the core is 46.5. We haven't received the precipitation we need to even get us close to average. So we were hoping, hey, if we can just get an average year, that'll at least give us enough supply to take care of the demand. But we didn't get that. So now it's compounding. So last year's problems have now become this year's problems, and it's worse because we don't have more water this year than we did last year. We figured about 150% of normal uh, snowpack would allow us to have a normal watering year, normal irrigation year. Uh, and we, we probably could have filled our reservoirs with 150%. So we came way short to that. 100% would have been great. <laughs> so we didn't, we didn't even come close. Even if we don't have the right numbers now, you know, we, we go through the summer months and we're getting rain and things like that. It, it just doesn't do what the snow does, is what I'm hearing. That's true. So summer rains, spring and summer rains in the valleys can help. It can keep lawns alive. It can keep the trees watered. It can do all those things. But we can't capture that water and store it. So the valley water is low elevation water. I can't get that up to a mountain reservoir where I actually need it to be able to run it through our pipelines and get it distributed to be used for culinary or secondary water use. So it, it, it all helps. I don't want to be pessimistic. It all helps, and we love the rain. But the real drought busters come from winter snow, spring snow, being able to store that up in our reservoirs and then distribute it when we're ready to distribute it. That means we can take that whole reservoir and we can spread it out over the whole season where if we need that water immediately and we just don't have the supply, people don't realize that we use a ton of water. In fact, we're one of the highest water users per capita in the whole country. So we're the driest, second driest state in the country, yet we're using more water per capita than a lot of other states. That's flip-flop. That's, that's not where we need to be. So the demand is constant and growing, and our supply is dwindling and decreasing. And that's a huge problem uh, in the West and specifically for Utah. Um, and we're in a drought now, but that really is a water management issue that goes beyond the drought. That needs to be a conversation and really policy, even in good years, to be able to manage it properly so that we can weather the, the bad years. And, and that's, a, that's a conversation probably for lawmakers and others, but it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. Okay, so that's why we hear so much about snowpack and why we hear that April is sort of significant yeah. for that yeah. uh, because that's when we start seeing the melting. April 1st is kind of the arbitrary line of where most mountain snowpacks peak. So when you actually ramp up, right, it starts real low in October and the snow keeps coming and it ramps up February, March. April 1st is where that starts to peak and then it starts to ramp back down with the decrease in snow and the increase in warm temperatures. So April 1 is what we call the end of the snowpack season, meaning we're not building anymore, and then we start to shift to the, to the spring and summer water consumption season and managing the runoff. So what does it look like this year? When I, I mean, I think back in March, we had a, we had a pretty good little uh, warm spell in March. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the concern, the danger with that melting so much earlier? So when you get a decent snowpack and then it gets really warm really early, you in essence start to drain that snowpack really fast. And remember, we talked about the ground being dry. Right. When you start to shrink that snowpack, instead of running off to the reservoirs where we can use it, mm -hmm. it actually just gets absorbed by the ground. 
and we can't get to it. We can't use it. It eventually gets into an aquifer. Because the ground is so Exactly. The ground is dry. so dry yeah. that that water gets absorbed. And so what could happen is you might have 75% snowpack. And then it gets really warm. You could lose 25% of that snowpack to melting into the ground and never make it to the reservoir. And that's a big concern right now because we need every drop we can get into the reservoirs. And if it stays warm and it continues to have those warm spells with no additional precipitation, we're in trouble already. It just makes it worse. So if we hadn't had two other years before this that were very poor, we would be in a lot better shape. But because of the poor record-setting droughts that we had last year and very poor the year before that, um, it just puts us in a, in a very bad place. I also uh, spoke to Scott Paxman. And, uh, the only good part of the whole situation is the, is the soil moisture. We're seeing the soil moisture um, well above normal for this time of year, so, which means it's, it's going to be, hopefully, a more efficient runoff. The snow's going to come down more efficiently. We're going we're gonna to get into the streams and hopefully into the reservoirs. So there's, that's pr- pretty much the only good thing. <laughs> He's the general manager of the Weber Basin Water Conservancy District in Layton. Uh, I've been with the district about 32 years. The district serves Weber, Morgan, Davis, Summit Counties, and part of Box Elder County. Even before I started work with the district, in the history of Weber Basin Water Conservancy District, we've never had restrictions like this or droughts like this. The first week of April, the district announced water restrictions. This time of year, especially this week or next week, we would be charging all the all the irrigation systems, loading our canals with water. Uh, Now we're going to be delaying that for a month. We're saying there's not going to be any watering, any secondary irrigation water or ag water until the middle of May for our customers. Can you break down what the water restrictions are? Absolutely. So besides starting one one month later in the spring, so middle of May, uh, we'll be reducing all of our secondary irrigation contracts by 60%. So they'll have 40% of their allocation available to use. Um, we'll also be restricting the, those that irrigate with their drinking water supply, with, with culinary water. We're, we're restricting those by 60%, just for outside watering. And then we're restricting outdoor or indoor culinary use by 10%. And then the agricultural community, we're reducing their contracts by 40%. So they're, they're allowed to use up to 60% of their allocation. So those are, those are in a nutshell. And we're, we're anticipating that we'll be ending the season early as well, about a month. So about the middle of September, if we can make it that far. What does that mean for the average home or business owner? So the average homeowner without a meter uh, on their system, uh, it means watering going through their their watering cycles one day each week and they'll be restricted to those to a particular day in the week depending on the the last number in their address and and so that's for the non-metered for the metered customers we're giving them a little bit more flexibility because we know exactly what they're using so we give them an allocation a weekly allocation of water depending on what they what their contract allowed and, and they're able to use it however they need to or want to, but they have to stay within that weekly allocation or they'll, they'll, be, uh, they'll be in violation as well. So typically, for the typical homeowner, it's, it's horrible. It's not, uh, not something that anybody wants to see. 
our landscapes are going to suffer. Uh, we may lose a little bit of lawn. Hopefully our trees and shrubs will, will make it through. They've talked about doing it for years. Well, it's not very fun. <laughs> it's expensive. This year? Uh, but you're not going to have any water, so you've got to do something. Water restrictions made Gene Martinez's decision to get rid of their grass easy. You know, the people that, that fertilize my lawn and everything, they say there's no way. There's no way it's going to survive. How necessary is it that these, res these restrictions are falling? We've really looked at it hard. We were hoping that we could do more. We were hoping that we, we would be similar to last year, allowing two days a week watering. But looking at what we have in storage and what we, what we want to hold over for next year, we, we have to have at least a good portion of our just drinking water supply in storage at the end of this season. And so with those in mind, uh, we have to be here. It's, it's very necessary. Basin Water District already announced some water restrictions um, and we can expect more of the same. Yeah and I, I talked it was funny we did an interview at the fall of last year and they said what happens in spring 2022 if we don't get a good water year and this is the reality primary culinary water is always going to be the focus always drinking water house water for all the residences that will always be prioritized well the second issue happens is agriculture they have legal rights to water, so they get second right. And then the third choice is outdoor watering. Lawns, gardens, bushes, trees, plants. Yeah. The first thing to go in a drought is outdoor watering. It's the first thing that has to be cut back. And then agriculture gets cut back, all in an attempt to deliver culinary water. Being as water conscious as possible right now is really important. And there will be some communities, primarily newer communities, maybe communities that don't have long-standing water rights or they don't have a lot of water access, there'll be communities in this state that are going to have to truck water, they're going to have to get water from other resources just to supply their communities with culinary water in their homes because we don't have enough supply to distribute that everywhere the water needs to go. And that's crazy to think, Matt. Right. Think about that. You yeah. go to turn your water on in your house, in a brand new house, and maybe a new neighborhood. And it's a truck that and, had to bring it to you. Yeah, you don't, you don't have water there? Um, and and there are a lot of new communities. A <laughs> lot, of, lot of growth in so. Utah, and a lot of growth in places that aren't real moisture rich. You know, you look at some of the growth in southern Utah, and you look at some of the growth in other areas, it's not like we're, we've got an abundance of water in those places. So it's a, it's a big, big concern. So the Great Salt Lake is the great repository. Anything that really isn't used along the Wasatch Front ends up as runoff down into the Great Salt Lake. Well, we're using more water than we've ever used before. So what does that mean? Well, if we're not getting it from the sky and we're consuming everything we have, that means what trickles to the Great Salt Lake is little to none. And that's why the Great Salt Lake is at its historic low. We've never been this low on the Great Salt Lake. And now Governor and, and other legislators are talking about we need to help restore the Great Salt Lake. We're going to lose ecosystems and all sorts of things around the lake. And, and that's very, very true. But again, remember, the Great Salt Lake used to be the repository for what was extra. It's not extra anymore. And so because of population growth and decreased precipitation, you don't have it in that lake. Lake Powell's the same thing. We've never been this low at Lake Powell since they filled Lake Powell. The drop at Lake Powell has stunned old-timers. 
like veteran wildlife biologist Wayne Gustavison. The lowest I've ever seen it. He writes a fishing blog that's read regularly by 5,000 lovers of Lake Powell. I have invested my entire career here. I, I would like this to still be a lake instead of a big river. Since the same date a year ago, the lake dropped 44 feet after dropping more than 100 feet earlier. It's now less than one-fourth full. Holy Toledo. Tony Arnone was shocked to see Waweep Marina. On floats that go down with the lake, it's squeezed now into a channel where it barely fits. Never this low. It's been low before, but nothing like this. Now, Lake Powell, for all the controversy around filling Lake Powell, Lake Powell has been a water management wonder and an electro-hydropower wonder because of what it generates. But low water means big problems. The dam generates electricity by taking in water from Lake Powell through giant pipes called penstocks, and it spins the turbines. The lowering lake has already cut efficiency by 25%. If it drops too far, they'll have to shut it down because sucking air could destroy the penstock. But if we drop below the threshold of generating power, we're in big trouble. And that comes from the Colorado River. And so that's coming out of Colorado's basins as well as part of Utah and Wyoming that helps fill Lake Powell. Lake Powell is so, so down. It's historically low. And this year we run the risk, forget boating, forget launch ramps, forget recreation. We run the risk of number one, not even being able to deliver water downstream to Las Vegas and eventually people who have water rights on Lake Powell. But we may not even be able to generate power off of Lake Powell because we're too far below the inlet for the actual dam and power generation, which is a whole nother problem. Now, not only do we not have water, we're going to lose part of a power grid because we can't generate electricity there. And that, that sounds intense. Uh, it or sounds dramatic. intense. It sounds dramatic. And I don't, we don't want to be that way. It, but it just is the reality of where we are. And for so, so long, I think most Utahns have lived with the idea that water is abundant and it just keeps coming. And it's going to take times like this for us to realize you're not going to be able to water your lawn. You're not going to be able to plant the sod. You're not going to be able to do the things we've done recreationally because we don't have that resource that we've had in the past. And it's a good thing for us to be aware of it um, because our actions, the things we do now, can make a difference. Maybe not in this drought cycle, but it will make the difference the next time we get into this kind of situation because our mindset will be different. Um, I think you would prioritize, I would, drinking water out of my faucet versus watering a big lawn in my yard. Right. And I think we all need to be in that mindset because everybody wants to drink water from their faucet. And we're going to have to start making some sacrifices, and I'd rather do it in my yard than in my, my drain, in my faucet in my house. So we've we've crossed the line where now we're just it's too late. We have to wait until next winter season before we can sort of hope for a, a, a better winter. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm an optimist. It's never too late. Um, I mean, you hear about I guess snowstorms sure. in June or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it it l- let me give you a scenario. Okay. If we all of a sudden got really good storms end of April and into May in our mountains where we were adding to the snowpack, right? We weren't making up ground, but we were still adding to it. And then it kind of had that cool cycle, warm cycle. We could really maximize the runoff that's coming out of our mountains. And then if we had a wet spring into early summer where we got frequent rainstorms and it was kind of cool and then it would get warm for a little bit and then back to cool, there are scenarios that we could get into our summer in a really good way water-wise. 
It hasn't been the case. It's been really dry all, all fall, all winter, and now even into the first of spring. But it's never too late. There's always a way for it to be better, and that's what we hope for. It's what we pray for, that we can actually get the rain, because we can't make it. We can't bring it in. Everyone has the same problem. There's, you don't go to another state and say, hey, can I borrow some water? We, we just don't have that ability. Yeah. So what falls here, what we capture here, that's what we get to use. And when we've used it and it's gone, it's gone. And there's no getting it back. Yeah. So we can expect another debate over fireworks and, uh, you know, fire danger of the season. It's going to be, it, it could potentially be ugly. Oh, yeah. You'll see a lot of restrictions. But I think the biggest debate, the biggest issues are going to be watering. You're going to have restrictions. You mentioned Weber Basin. Yeah. Weber Basin is going to start a month late and end a month early. They're going to limit outdoor users to one day a week of watering. And people are used to being able to water whenever they want. Right. That's not going to be the case. And we've talked about story after story about water wasters, right? The lawns are all, every day the water's on. Every day it's watering the sidewalks and everything else. You think it's been bad in the past? This year is going to be one of those years that we just beg people, please be a good steward of the water because we don't have enough. And what you're putting out on your lawn eventually is going to take away from your faucet. And if we entered that mindset to say, I can leave it off. Um, My sprinklers aren't coming on this year. I'm leaving my lawn. It's not going to have any water. I'll water my trees and my shrubs because I want those to live. But my grass will come back. If I leave it alone all year long, it's going to look horribly dead and wrong. But next year, if it waters and we get rain, it'll come right back. Uh, that's Turf can do that. But uh, I, I'm going to save my trees and plants with some watering, again, according to the restrictions. But we're all going to have to make sacrifices this year. And I hope that people do it willingly. Because I think the fight that you're talking about, there's going to be some who just want to keep watering. And uh, that, that's going to be probably one of the biggest problems is managing what we can do and what we can't do with the water. We always have to plan on the worst Pray and hope for the best, but plan on the worst. And that's why we have to have that drinking water supply or a portion of it, good portion of it, in storage at the end of this year. Uh, worst case for next year, there might not be any irrigation water. And, and we would have a drinking water supply. And, uh, but I sure hope that doesn't happen. We've, we've got we've to break out of this cycle. General rule, it takes as many years to get out of a drought as it takes to get in a drought. So if we're in it 10 years, it's going to take 10 years to replace it holistically in the ground, in the reservoirs, in the supply. It's not a one-year problem. It's not a one-year solution. You could have the best year in the world next year, and it would be a start to recover, not a recovery. When you look at Lake Powell, Lake Powell is less than 50% capacity, and it's sitting at 175 feet below full. Hmm. Think about that for a second. Yeah, that's massive. That is massive. That's the largest body of water in this state that is managed. And it's down to unbelievable low levels. And why? Because we're not getting it and we are still using it. The federal government mandates how much water comes out of that lake to give water supply downstream. Has to come out every year. Well, this year, maybe the first time in history, that water doesn't come out. And the reason is it can't can't give it out because if we give it out we lose power so what do you want you want water or power and they're going to say we want water so they'll give them what they can give them but then it's going to go then you're going to get then you're going to lose both you're going to lose water and you're going to lose power and that's a problem las vegas mead los angeles where they pull all this from yeah yeah i feel like uh you're welcome (laughs) it's going to be bad so wow yeah i think uh looking at the big picture is where a lot of 
is what a lot of people miss because like last year, you know, there's so many comments like, you know, what about that drought? You know, we're looking at people that are flooding their basements, you know, in southern Utah or in this, this place and this place that we're, you know, when you kind of stick a, take a look back and think, look at it, look at all of it. Yeah, and that's, that's, what the, that's ultimately what municipality, county, and state officials have to do. They're not looking at this year or that flood in Cedar City or Enoch. Or, they have to look at the big picture because it affects everything. It affects forest fires. It affects um, delivery of water. It affects, I mean, it, it, the ripple effects through our economy, through our state, through our citizens and the livelihoods, it's huge. Yeah. And we just go, it's water. Eh. Well, people were killing each other for water back in the 1800s because that's how, that's how prized it was. If you don't have water, you don't live. You don't survive in the desert. And out here, it's a desert. Is there anything else you can say as someone who's you know, been doing this for 20 plus years to put it in perspective of you know, what, what it looks like heading into the summer months? We're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. Um, we'll get rain. We'll get water. Um, we just need to be, again, better stewards of the resource that we've been given. Um, we talk about it all the time. We need to be better stewards of our air quality. We need to be better stewards of our forest management and, and our outdoors and, and open spaces. Water is one of those things that it is a life source for us. And we've got to be better stewards of it. We've got to be more conscientious about how we use it and what we do. Um, it's never too late for a good thing to happen. And I think we'll be okay. We are lucky that we have really good infrastructure that allows us to move water all around our state between reservoirs and pipelines that have been invested in for years and years and years in the past, we now have the ability to move water around. And that's a really great asset because where we have a little bit of plenty, we can move it over to some areas that, that aren't. Um, so we're, we're in an okay place from an infrastructure point of view, but we really just need to conserve what we have and, uh, and hope we get more. Okay. Awesome. That's all I have. Thanks a lot. Cool, man. You're welcome. My colleagues and I at KSL TV will be covering the drought situation and its impact over the next several months. And as always, we'll dive a little deeper into some of those stories right here. That does it for us this week here on KSL Plus. I'm Matt Rascone. We'll see you again next week.